Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. Merry Christmas, y'all. It's a great day in the house of God today. And I love the scripture that we're reading. We're going to read through Matthew chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, open it to Matthew chapter 2. 1 through 15 is what we're going to be reading today. We will have this done in 30 minutes, maybe less than that. We'll see. Maybe 25 minutes. We'll see where God's leading us. If you have been seated, I ask that you stand up if you're able to in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord. Today, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Since after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is a prophecy found in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. Remember that. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said... Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. He didn't want to worship him. He wanted to kill him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, And they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented with him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold represented divinity. Frankincense represented priesthood. And myrrh represented burial. All things that Jesus is. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to kill, to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, and this is what I want to highlight, took the child and his mother during the night. Say, during the night. When did he take them? During the night. And left for Egypt. When he stayed until, where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through their prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Today I'm going to be talking to you this Christmas Eve about during the night. Are you guys ready for the word of God today? Come on, I believe God's going to speak to you today. Let's pray over the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We pray that you'd speak through me. Open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to hear you today. God, we want to hear from you. We don't want to hear a fancy message or even just a plain Christmas Eve message. We want to hear from the Holy Spirit today. So we're hungry for you. Open up your hands if you're hungry for the word of God and say these words after me. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for the word of God today. As you're being seated, turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. Not Merry Chrysler, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. 
Merry Christmas. We're able to look at this story. I love the Christmas story. I didn't always like the Christmas story. And if I was fully unapologetically authentic, this is actually the first time I'm preaching about, like, the Christmas story, and I am legitimately excited for it. So whatever that means. Like, wait, last year? It's like, no, like, this year I'm, like, actually legitimately excited to be able to share this message. I believe the Holy Spirit has a word for you today. How many are all ready to receive what the Holy Spirit has to say today? Lift your hands and receive it today. Come on. Come on, thankful for it. I, I love the Christmas story because all the odds are stacked against them, and they still tend to work it out. I mean, I want you to take a moment to realize that you have the ability to look at the Bible story in hindsight, which means you know how this story ends. Like, you could read it, and you could talk to Mary. You could talk to Joseph and say, Joseph, don't worry. Herod's not going to be able to kill Jesus. You could talk to Mary and say, Mary, I know you're 39 weeks pregnant, but you're going to Bethlehem to fulfill a prophecy, so don't worry about the long car ride. When you're about to give birth, because it's to fulfill a prophecy. Like, we have the ability to see hindsight. But how many of y'all know if you were in Mary's shoes, it wouldn't be comfortable? Now, I don't know if Mary was uh, a connoisseur of the Bible. I don't know how much she knew the Bible or if she knew the prophecy found in Hosea or in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that the baby Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. I don't know if she knew that, right? I, I want you to take a moment to place yourself in these people's shoes, like, Place yourself in Joseph's shoes. He didn't know for sure that Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't. Like, he had a dream six months into it. He was going to actually divorce Mary because if you place yourself in his shoes, he's wondering, all right, now, Mary, was it really the Lord or was it Leonardo? Like, place yourself in his shoes. He might have maybe seen some works when Jesus was working for him as a carpenter, but the fact remains, Joseph ended up passing away before Jesus rose from the grave. So Joseph never really knew. He had to live his life based on faith. He had to walk with the Lord, not knowing where the Lord was going to bring him. Right? That's Joseph's stories. But place yourself in the Magi's shoes for a moment. The Magi traveled from arguably Babylon or the Far East. So it could have been anywhere from 600 miles to 6,000 miles. Coming to Jerusalem only to not find the king. Imagine traveling from Omaha to Denver, Colorado, only to miss your destination by five miles. They had to keep on searching. They had to keep looking until they found what they were looking for. And we place like, hey, don't worry, Magi, you're going to go to Jerusalem, but Herod is going to get the priests together. And Don't worry. Like, I could imagine being in their shoes and being like, okay, we're here. God, where's this sign at? Where is the king at? Have you ever been a place where you felt like you were traveling during the night and you're never going to see the light of day? You're never actually going to see what the Lord promised. I mean, take a moment to look at King Herod. King Herod is the antagonist in this story. He's the man that wants to kill Jesus. And he sends to the priest, finds out he's going to be born in Bethlehem, tells the Magi, tell me when you find the baby so that I can come worship him because he wants to kill him. I mean, you could save Herod the trouble by just telling Herod, like, hey, don't even bother. He's not just some ordinary king. Like, every other king is born a baby and becomes a king, but this is a king that became a baby to redeem all mankind. You're not going to be able to kill this king. I mean, if, if we have the ability of hindsight, we could go to King Herod and say, King Herod, don't worry about it, bro. Like, you're not going to find him. You're not going to be able to kill him. Why? Because God has a plan. Say, God has a plan. God has a promise. Say, promise. He's got a promise. He's got a plan, and he's looking to fulfill his plan. So no matter what the devil throws against this plan, it will not prevail. 
what do we know in, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12, it says that the Lord is watching to see that his word is fulfilled. This isn't just a prophecy that God gave to Jeremiah. This is God's plan for earth. That his word is always fulfilled. Where look, Jesus says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God is looking to perform his will. He's looking to perform his word. The word that he spoke, he is looking to fulfill it. Joseph had to go to Egypt so that the words spoken out of the prophet Hosea, chapter 11, verse 1, would be fulfilled. God was looking for an opportunity to fulfill his word. Well, we know because the kids were reading earlier in John chapter 1 that Jesus is the word. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So no matter what the devil was trying to do, he could not stop this word from being fulfilled. So we continue in seeing that Joseph, Mary, Herod, the Magi, not being able to find Jesus initially, from human perspective, and if you were actually in the moment, could be interpreted as a problem. I mean, 39 weeks pregnant. You're going to travel 100 miles, 50 miles on a donkey? Sign me up for that. No. It would be a major inconvenience. Oh, come on, Caesar. Like, can't you just wait one week? They had to go to Bethlehem because Caesar was taking a census. There was something out of their control that positioned them to fulfill a prophecy. There was something out of their desire positioned them to fulfill a prophecy. Joseph didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, you could assume 39 weeks pregnant, 38 weeks pregnant. Who knows? Did Jesus come early? Did he come late? I don't know. But I know it was an uncomfortable ride from Galilee, Nazareth, to Bethlehem. It was a problem. I think if you're Joseph, you're thinking it's a problem. I think if you're Herod, you're thinking, man, this is the problem. And you're thinking, well, okay, this, this king's going to rise up. He's going to take my place. And I want to put it in your, your heart today that Everything that we could potentially see as a problem could also be a prophecy that God is looking to fulfill. Okay, so Herod, even coming to kill Jesus as a baby, the angel shows up to Joseph and says, Joseph, go to Egypt and I'll tell you when to leave. From Joseph's perspective, that's a problem. But it was actually to fulfill a prophecy found in Hosea chapter 11. What are you looking at today that could, in your eyes, be a problem? But if you have the moment... To look at it in retrospect, you could see that it's actually something that God is trying to fulfill in your life. It may have not have been in their plan, but we know that God was not protecting their plan. He was protecting his promise. And I think if we just took a moment to say, God, if you told me that this problem was actually a prophecy that you were going to fulfill, how many of y'all know that it would be easier for you to have some courage during the problem? If you knew the reason why you didn't get the job that you wanted or you got laid off was because God was trying to position you in the right job, God was trying to position you in the right center of employment so that you could meet the right person, so that you could make the right amount of money. If you just knew where God placed you and you could look back and say, wow, God, I can see how you used that for my good. I want to be able to impart into you today a word called perspective, that in our mind's eye, is frankly so small compared to God's. You're not to, called to know the beginning from the end. You're called to trust one person. 
That's Jesus. You're not called to know how it's going to work out. And sometimes you knowing how it's going to work out is only going to ruin it. Now, I want to go around and say, man, I wish that I knew if these problems were going to be a fulfilling of a prophecy because sometimes I feel like I'm wandering around in the dark. If I knew how God is going to work this out, I can have hope. God, can you just tell me how this ends? Because I know you know the beginning from the end. John 1, 4 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So God was in the beginning. He knows the end. No darkness. Darkness is that light to him. So let me ask you this one question. Why would the God who knows the beginning from the end, carries the light of life and overcomes the darkness, keep his children in the dark when it comes to his plans for us? Why didn't God tell Joseph first that it was the Holy Spirit that got Mary pregnant? Why did he have to wait six months, arguably, and then contemplate divorce before God actually stepped in and said, no, it was me? Why did he keep Joseph in the dark? Why didn't he tell Joseph to plan to go to Bethlehem for the baby to be born? At least if he told him, then maybe we could have gone a little bit earlier. Then maybe it wouldn't have been such a rough ride. Maybe actually the ride induced the pregnancy. I don't know. Why didn't he tell him, hey, by the way, you're going to be there, and you're not actually going to be able to see your family for a few years, so make sure you actually give a long goodbye, because this trip isn't going to take a week. This trip is going to take five to ten years. Like, why didn't he just tell Joseph that? Well, what I found is that he was brought to Bethlehem to have baby Jesus so that the Magi could also meet him in Bethlehem, not just to fulfill a prophecy. See, the Magi brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They said it's valued to upwards around $4 million worth of material that was used to finance Joseph's journey to Egypt. See, God already has a plan. See, what looks as a problem to you, what may look as an inconvenience to you, what may look as a dark time to you is actually God positioning you. And so I don't want you to look at what you're going through as God forsaking you and crying out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. I've been there. I felt that before. But when you're in those moments where you feel like you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know what's going to come of this bankruptcy, you don't know what's going to come of this disease. You don't know what's going to come of this unemployment. You don't know what's going to come of, God forbid, a divorce or a death of a loved one. You don't know what's going to come of it. I want to encourage you today that God knows the end from the beginning. He's knowing how he's positioning you and how he is going to use you. The question is, do you trust him in the middle of it? Do you trust him in the middle when you don't see the result coming, nor do you see how it could be? Do you trust him that you're in Bethlehem in a manger and many, we don't know how many magi, we, they say it was three because of presents, but three presents, but it could have been dozens, it could have been hundreds came to visit him. These are people of the Far East, they studied astrology, they, they knew what they were getting themselves into. The book of Numbers talks about a star that would shine and make the way and they knew it because of Daniel shared with them the scriptures. That, that's much deeper teaching, but we're not going to get into that. So you have the choice to make that when you're being led in a place that you don't quite understand, do you trust God? Or do you turn your back on him? And I, I, I've been there, and I just want to share some of these ideas. That uh, What if the reason why you feel like you're in the middle of a night or dark place or, or you're traveling around during the night 
what if it was actually because God was getting something ready? Now, I don't like to be left in the dark. I don't like to keep my kids in the dark. And, and, but how many of y'all know that if you're wrapping presents for your kids, you're not going to let them come in the door? No matter how hard they... Let me in! No, I'm wrapping you presents! I think if maybe you're the kid and God's preparing something for you, and if he told you what he was getting you, you'd, I don't know, screw it up. You might prematurely open it before you were supposed to. He's like, don't, don't, just, just trust me. I was watching this painting the other day. I get caught on, like, Instagram reels and this beautiful painting this girl was making up. She made a lion, and it just looked like trash. And it was all these different, she's, like, using a, a, a paint lid, and she's, like, rolling in circles and grabbing, like, metal equipment, like, dabbing it. And then all of a sudden, out of all this mess, you started to see this beautiful, picturesque of a lion. Like, this is incredible. And I think it's a lot like God's work in our lives. That some of these things don't make sense. And there's a dab here and a weird color there and some scratches here. And... But when it's all said and done, do you trust the artist? Because this chapter could appear dark, but do you trust the author? He's the one writing your story. So you may not be where you want to be right now. But I know one who makes all things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you trust the author? Because he might be getting you ready. It's not for you to know the times and seasons. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so everyone maybe feel like at a moment they're in the dark on what God has spoken. And I know in the story that we read, as, as great of a Christmas story it is, Joseph didn't know what was going to happen. Magi didn't know. Mary didn't know. We're all singing, Mary, did you know? No, she didn't. She had no idea. But she did trust God. Maybe you're in a place right now where you don't know. And God is working something in you right now. I just want to share with you a few more passages before we dismiss today. Psalm 23 shares of the valley of the shadow of death. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why don't you fear evil? Because God's with you. God's behind you. So you have a choice to make every single day to let what is happening around you dictate what is happening in you, or you can know who's with you in the middle of it. So if you've lost a loved one during this holiday season, you don't know how God's going to use it. I don't either. But I can tell you, you can trust him. You may not know how God's going to use this financial difficulty, but I can tell you, you can trust him. You may not know how God's going to use this breakup, this relationship, the, 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 the disease. You don't know how God's going to use it. But you can trust him. You can. You can trust him. And he says, I don't fear any evil. Why? Because you're with me. God's with you. Are you with him? To follow him during the night is a choice that we have to make every dark hour. Because I've never said this life is easy of following Jesus. But we do have a choice every single day to, you know what, God, I don't know how you're going to use this, but I trust you. You trust him. Trust him does not look like victorious standing trust him. Trust him doesn't even look like overcoming fear of what could happen. Trusting is knowing the one that's going to hold the future. 
even if it ends in a way that you don't want it to. Let's talk back to the martyrs. Well, God's going to work all things. They died, right? I don't mean to get like a dark Christmas, like Christmas Eve story right now. I'm just, I'm trying to lay a foundation because when you know that he's with you, the fear can come knocking at your door and you can meet it head on because you know who's behind you. Fear may be knocking, but you can answer that door with faith and courage because you know God's with you. So it says, I'm walking through this valley of the shadow of death. The thing is, this valley of the shadow of death was actually a place in Israel. It, it, it's, we find this from Matthew chapter 4, verse 15. It says, the land of Zerubbabel and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. So this shadow of death was a physical place David was referring to. And it speaks how Jesus came to this area, the land of the shadow of death, known as the area of Galilee. This Galilee area was a place of, that was despised and rejected. It's so much so that when King Solomon had to set a debt with the king of Tyre, you know what he did in 1 Kings chapter 9? He gave him the land of Galilee, 20 cities in there. The king Tyree looked at the land. He said, what did you give me? This stuff's worthless. And he gave it back to Solomon. This was an overlooked land of shadow. This was a despised and rejected land of shadow. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you felt overlooked, where you've been rejected by man or by God. It's irrelevant. I would say I find guilt. I'm guilty more about feeling rejected by God. I've been there before. I've been in those times where I felt neglected and rejected, not just by man, but by God. But I want to, I want you to understand this idea of the land of Galilee. They're calling it the land of the shadow of death, and it's a dark place, and can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, like, I just want to ask you this question. Where did Jesus do most of his ministry at? It was in Galilee. So if you're in a dark place, not wondering how God is going to use this, and you don't know if this is shadow, and you don't know if this is death. God, if you just tell me, if, if it's death, God, I'll live my life completely different right now. If I knew that they were going to die, I would, have, I would have seized the last week that we had together. If you would have just told me. 90% of Jesus' ministry is in the area of shadow and death. And could it also be the case that when you find yourself in this area of darkness, that God is doing more in that moment than he would do when you're shouting from the rooftops, you're shouting the joy of the Lord, he's actually working in your heart more in the night than he is in the day. When we're talking about light shining in darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it, that isn't just a fulfillment of a prophecy that's a word to give you hope. Speaking things that aren't as though that are as though they are not, like to be able to have hope, like this too will pass. I love the joy of the Lord, but that's not one of the three things, faith, hope, and love. And you know what the Christmas season is about? It's about hope. That we who were in our sin now actually have hope. 
I want you to know today that you are not left in darkness. You're not left in hopelessness. You have hope. Even if you feel like you're in the valley of the shadow. I was talking to my son the other day. Winston, he's sitting right up front. Winston, do you remember last night? You said I could share the story, right? So last night we were at like a family gathering and, and he was uh, playing basketball. We were playing basketball together. I loved it, by the way. Remember I won 20 to 16, right? And then you went and you played football. And he was playing with some older friends and kind of kids that he didn't really know. And he's six and they're like 10 and 9 and so they're a lot bigger. And they let him play one play and then they didn't let him play again. And so it, it was a period of rejection. I remember I took him home and I said, hey, were, how were you feeling when they didn't let you play? And he just said, they, I feel sad. Like, yeah. And I, I thought for a moment, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've been there before. I could like feel what he was going through. I'm like, man. And I felt like I, I told him first service, but I'm going to tell him again. Eva, Winston, Margaret, Nora, you guys listen to me. Oh, where is Nora? Stand up. I want to talk to you guys. You thought you were just sitting through church coming. Hey, there's days where you're going to feel sad. There's days where I've felt sad. And I'm here not just to talk to you guys, but I'm talking to our church. That even as a pastor, I want to go and say, hey, come on, guys. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's true. I'm not denying that. But I've had days where I felt sad. I've had weeks. I've had months. I've had years where my heart has been broken. Can I tell you, in those moments when you feel sad, I'm not just trying to teach you a, a, a fancy Christmas message. I'm trying to teach you a principle to get through life. That you have a choice, even when you feel sad, you have a choice to keep following the Lord or to stop. It doesn't mean you're always going to feel like it. It doesn't mean you're always going to wake up and say the joy of the Lord. Now, I believe profession and confession is, is important. But he's also able to sympathize with you in your weakness. So just because it feels dark at times does not mean that he has left you. He could actually be closer and you can learn more in those seasons than you ever could have learned in the good times. To be able to know you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. What if he was positioning you in Bethlehem? To get some presents from some magi so that he could get you to Egypt so that you could escape the king's wrath. So as you stand to your feet, I wanted to just preach a fancy little message about Christmas Eve and have us going, ooh, yeah, let's go open some presents. I wanted to do that. Believe me, I'm a faith preacher. I wanted to do that. I wanted, guys, God's got it. Well, that's true. That is kind of a little bit of this message. But I'm not here to, to, to build a hype and an excitement in church. That's, that's, there's a, there, it's time in that, and that's okay. I just know that there are a lot of people that go through 2 a.m. moments where it's, it's dark, and you don't really know how God's going to use it. And that's kind of this idea of Matthew 2.14, our last scripture verse we talked about. That he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and they left for Egypt. They left during the night, and I want you to know today that 
Sometimes you have to follow God at night. Are you following God at night right now? When you don't know? You can know who to trust. You don't know where he's going. I wanted to just say, hey, like, come on, Jesus was born. Let's be excited. Silent night, all is bright. All was not bright. I know the song. I love the song. Don't get me wrong. Not attacking the song. But sometimes that silent night feels like hell. That's just how it is. But I can tell you, you can trust Jesus. He's going to get you through it. You're going to come out the other side saying, wow, I can see now. Because I have the ability to look in hindsight. So maybe there's someone up in heaven saying, hey, come on, you can get through it. God's got these great things in store. Like, you got to be able to see how God's going to use this. You're going to write a song about this. It's going to help millions. You're going to write a book about this. It's going to help every single parent you encounter. You're going to write a testimony, a story about this. You're going to preach it in the public square. People are going to encounter Christ because of it. So you may be just like Joseph, maybe like Mary, maybe like the Magi. You don't really know where this is going to end up. Only one person knew, and he wasn't even old enough to walk yet. So you need to know today that God is watching you. Yeah, there's a star. Yeah, there's a light. Yeah, the favor will guide you. But sometimes he will tell you things and lead you through things at the night. And what he does at the night will actually cause you to shout for joy in the day. This is why you cannot give up. This is why you cannot accept defeat. This is why you cannot lie down. This is why you cannot throw in the towel. Because the devil's coming after you. Not just you, but generations to follow you. This is why you cannot give up. Because he's trying to destroy the one thing that you need. And that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But I got good news for you. He can't destroy that. He can't. So if God is for you, who can stand against you? If the devil cannot destroy it, God's purposes will prevail in your life if you do not give up and lose heart. This is the message. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. Maybe you're saying like, hey, like, I feel like I'm in some night places. It's okay, because even when you feel like you're in the dark, he's right there with you. He spoke to Joseph at night. What is he doing in your night right now? What's he doing? I wish I could go around and talk to every single person. But I know you've had some nights. I've had some nights where I've lost loved ones. I've had some nights where I didn't know how God was going to make it work. And I always landed knowing he will. So guess where you're going to find me? You're going to find me at the cross. You're going to find me in church. You're going to find me still listening to Caleb Radio. Because I'm going to make the choice to trust him. That's where I want to be. What are you going to make today? You're going to make the right choice. You're going to make the choice to trust him. Because he is worth trusting. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, let me pray over us today. We're going to go in a song. And then we have a few more moments with you today. And we will close out. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word that was planted in our hearts today. 
we pray that no matter what has come against us, that you would help us to trust you. Even Joseph didn't know, but he decided to trust you. God just said, I believe he's speaking through me to you today. He says, I told you, but you forgot. I gave you that dream. I gave you that word. You wrote it down, but then you forgot. He says, go back and remember. But don't get caught up in how I did it before. I'm doing a new thing. So trust me. Heavenly Father, we pray that this church, this great Christmas Eve, that we have hope. We know who we can trust, even in the darkest of nights. God, we look to you, and we trust you. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. How many of you are Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.